0: The Lance Wall Now Show is coming at you live from the master himself, with a special broadcast taken from one of Lance's most recent appearances. Tune in and get ready for some major revelation. I can remember my first time, I think I told you this, when I was at Donald Trump's headquarters in New York while he was running The Apprentice. He wasn't even a president, he was just a celebrity. And uh, I was invited up along with Kim Clement and a couple of other friends of mine to go meet with him and Kim was a mighty prophet from South Africa and I figured, oh, Kim will get a word on this thing and and I'll kind of like interpret like I used to travel with him and he'll be like William Branham and I'll be Gordon Lindsay and he'll say crazy words of knowledge and I'll explain them in the morning sessions. That's how we used to travel, we used to work together. Well, Kim had a stroke and he didn't make it and I had to go to the meeting by myself with a couple of other people and I was a duck out of water. And meanwhile, Ferguson is burning and there's riots in Maryland and there's all kinds of tinderbox issues going on, race issues, the left is stoking race, it's election time, race, race, race. And uh, so I'm up there wondering, what the heck am I doing here? I'm in The Apprentice is like a conference room where you get fired. I'm in that room. Trump comes in, who's just Mr. Trump at this point, Donald Trump, not yet taken seriously. He's running up against 17 other people. And I'm up there. And while I'm there, um, they're discussing race in America. And Donald Trump says, I've got a solution for it. It's going to be, a lot of it is fed by frustration. Frustration because of poverty. I have the ability to fix an economy. I, he said, I'm running because then he had a Freudian slip. He was trying to say, I just wanna make my country great again, and I'm gonna fix the economics, I'm gonna fix the trade deficit, I'm gonna fix the border, I'm gonna go after, and I'm gonna give you guys conservative Supreme Court justices who will defend your worldview." He said, that's what I'm called to do. He knew his calling. And then he made the Freudian slip. He said, I just wanna make my company great again. (laughs) And the Lord said to me, he's not a politician, he's a CEO and he's gonna bring a pragmatic businessman's acumen into politics, and he's about to have a learning experience. They don't want any outsiders in the boys club. So then they're talking, of course, pastors, you know what they talk, they don't talk about economics, they don't talk about this, they're preoccupied with gays and abortion. So I got a lesson right there, pastors, Trump, you know, you you ought to be at the table discussing how to make a nation great by dealing with where the devil's taking it down, whether it's education or poverty or race, but the Christians are all preoccupied with homosexuality and abortion. I thought, oh, how lame. But that's the read of most of the preachers in the room. That's their priorities. And Trump's reading the church too and looking at them. He's getting a gauge as to who these people are because he was told, and he believed it, that America historically is a Christian nation with a great Christian influence. He grew up with Billy Graham. He loved that era. And that if you ever can get them on the same page, there's enough Christians in America to right any wrong if they would just work together. So he believes that. So that's why he's meeting with Christians. He wants to find out if you guys can get together on anything. Well, I'm sitting there. Race issues they're talking about. That came up because it was in the news cycle. And... Uh, and uh, he's talking about Bill Maher. He made a very interesting comment. He said, you know, I'm listening to the news, uh, how the comedians are hitting you guys all the time, man. You're hitting evangelicals and Christians, making fun of you and God and belief and faith. He said, you know, when I was a kid, it wasn't like that. I grew up in a different America. I grew up like with Billy Graham and with, you know, a different Amer-. He said, it's open season on, they say stuff about you they never would have said 10 years ago. And he turned over to Jan Crouch, who was there and Paula White, he said, am I right? They go, yeah, you're right. He goes, if you don't mind me saying so, this is hilarious, and I loved it. If you don't mind me saying so, you have gotten soft. They can only beat up on you because they're not afraid of you having any punch back. And then he looked in the room and realized he's, this is Donald Trump in real time, calculating he doesn't really know what an evangelical is yet. He doesn't, know, he doesn't even know he's not a Christian. He thinks he's a Christian because he grew up in a Christian church and he's not Hindu. So he, so he basically, he says, so when I you know, say, well, now when I say you guys have gotten soft, I mean we've gotten soft. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one of you, I'm Christian too. Now, of course, we're looking at him going, we know you're not, but that's okay. At least he was trying to, you know, loop himself into the conversation. So uh, I'm saying to myself, this is weird. I'm not involved with economics. I'm not involved with race issues. I'm not involved with The Apprentice or Celebrity TV or Trump World or politics. Lord, I teach Seven Mountains. I don't get involved with Seven Mountains. I teach it. What am I doing here? Fast as I say that, the Lord says to me, Every time you pray in tongues, you tell me this is what you want to do. This was really, both of my brothers are professors, college professors, I'm a professor, it's a Jewish thing, I guess we're born, my bloodline is is Levi, Levitical, so we were the teachers in Israel. You have a tongue-talking Levite in your presence right now. This is what you get. So we're, my brothers, we're an analytical family and, and my head is trying to figure out what the heck did I just hear God say? Every time you pray in tongues, you tell me this is what you want to do. What the heck am I praying? And that's the point. You should be praying in tongues a lot more because most of you are stuck in the traffic of your head. So I was thinking well, that's really weird. I'm praying. I wonder where where my tongues are taking me. I'm still on that adventure now. The more confused and nervous I get, the more I pray in tongues and the more confused and nervous I get. So I I left that uh, meeting and came home, checked on Kim Clement, talked to Jane. He's in the hospital. Something's happened. We don't know what it is. I didn't know. I was nervous, called Mark Sharona, he and I were nervous because we're all the same age and we're all, if it could happen to him, it could happen to either of us and we didn't know if it was a demonic attack or what. And he's just taking you behind the scenes here on faith preachers and who aren't strong in faith all the time. It's like, dear God, what happened? If it could happen to Kim, you know, he was like Elijah to us, we loved him. So I'm sitting down and all of a sudden, the Kim Clement anointing gets on me because I'm associated with him, we're like best friends. And all of a sudden I hear in my left ear like a ticker tape. The next president of the United States The 45th president will be an Isaiah 45 president. The next president of the United States will be an Isaiah 45 president. The 45th president will be Isaiah 45. The 45th president, Isaiah 45. I thought, oh, this is getting freaky, man. I'm hearing voices. I had not heard God talk through my left ear to my right ear yet. I internally process. I could hear God internally. I didn't hear, it. it was almost like a voice whispering in my ear. I thought, you know what the Bible says, try the spirits, test the spirits. I'm not going to get off in any kind of deception now. It's already weird enough. I was up at Trump's place the other day. The next president of the United States, I thought, ha-ha, I will test the spirits. And so I went to Google. <laughs> i embarrassed to say that was my first line of defense. What number is the present president and what number is the next president? It comes back to me. Barack Obama is the president is the president of the United States. He is the 44th president. I said, aha, that was a low-level devil. I've caught it right in the front end because if he was the 44th president and he got reelected, that's the 45th president. And then I keep reading. And whatever number you have when you go in is the number you keep no matter how many times you were reelected. Roosevelt was elected, you know, three times, but he only has one number. Barack Obama is still the 44th. The next president would be number 45. <gasps> What happens if a natural disaster takes place? We have these weird tornadoes that hit in the Midwest and in Texas, but look at the hurricanes in Florida. People can literally have their uh, houses flooded or they're in a situation where they have no food or access to groceries. Everyone needs at least a four week emergency food kit. And fortunately, My Patriot Supply has created a four week emergency kit. And these products will last for 25 years. The interesting thing is they give you a 2,000 calorie per day uh, meal. And that's the key. Delicious and 2,000 calories a day because that's what you're gonna need to sustain yourself for four weeks in a crisis. We had the, uh, a winter freeze here in Texas of all places. And we had a couple of days where we had no electricity. I'm telling you something, this makes a huge difference. Mushroom rice pilaf, fluffy rice and mushrooms, Season with red wine and herb. And then how about starting the day off? Maple Grove oatmeal, old fashioned oats, maple flavoring with a pinch of brown sugar. This is what you want to do, four-week emergency food kit. And that's just for you. Think about your children, guarantee. Somebody around you is gonna need help. You're gonna want to at least have the four-week emergency kit. Go to LanceWallon.com forward slash Patriot. Use that link and you're gonna get a special discount on their special four-week emergency kit promotion. I go now to Isaiah 45. Should have started there, but that's where I went. Thus says the Lord to Cyrus, whom I have anointed, you will go through the two-leaf gates of Babylon, you will break the gates and bars of iron, I will undo the belts of your adversaries, and you will have the treasures of darkness turned over to you, and this I will do for my people's sake though you do not know me. For verily, I am a God who disguises himself. In other words, God's gonna disguise himself in the most unlikely candidate possible. This, my friends, will be a rat sandwich for everybody. The Republicans didn't like him. The evangelicals certainly didn't like him. I mean, my gosh, we've got seven clean-cut evangelicals running. we got Mike Huckabee. We've got Ben Carson. We've got Ted Cruz. Everybody there is just, a, they know how to talk Bible and he got one heathen from Queens on his third marriage. And God says, yep, that's the one, right there. All the religious in America are still offended over God's choice. They still can't stand the fact that they're personally embarrassed, their pride is damaged by the uncouthness, not realizing that God does choose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And Donald Trump is a blunt force object like a club in the hands of Samson mashing Philistines daily. But most of the church world doesn't like to hear that talk. They don't even like to hear my prophecies. But I wrote it in a book in 2015. I said, Donald Trump is God's Cyrus candidate. He is the chaos president. He will offend the religious right. And this is what my friend Kim Clement prophesied. The Lord says, what I'm about to do will be an offense. It will be a positive offense to the Democrats, and it will be an offense to Republicans also. And I thought, that's a strange prophecy, because it's kind of hard to get elected in the United States if you're neither a Democrat or a Republican. But he was prophesying that God was going to do something that would be offensive to the system. So I wrote the book, Donald Trump, called the chaos candidate and said he's Cyrus. And I said, and the media will lose its mind. And I wrote, I was the one who preemptively, predictively, and prophetically said, and they will call it Trump derangement syndrome. I wrote it in 2015 before the guy was elected. You could verify it. First time I'm driving in a car and hear Rush Limbaugh saying, you know, Trump derangement syndrome, I thought, oh my God, how is it possible? Well, I really believe that if you hear God and you say what God tells you, it doesn't mean you're going to get credit for saying it, but you've released it into the atmosphere. And it flies and lands. You've authorized it with your lips. So I, I predicted a number of things in that book. I predicted a number of things in the second book. I only wrote two books. They're agonizing for me to write. I don't. Some people pop out books. Like, uh, like, uh, yeah. So I, I, it takes me a year to write a book because you know, professorially, I'm agonizing over everything I'm saying. But so I wrote uh, anyway. I wrote these books, two, or just two. And uh, the second one is God's Chaos Code. Because I realized before this, I I didn't have the same confidence that I heard the future in the second election. And I wrote that it will be stolen. I wrote that you're gonna have a landslide overnight reversed by the news. I wrote it all here. This is a very good book. I never talk about it. This is the second book I wrote. I predicted what's happening now. And it's called The Chaos Code because I said it's going to involve Israel. It's going to involve the battle for sheep and goat nations. It's involving something different than the church wants to talk about. But I'm saying it to you here for a reason. And that's because I really want you to embrace the anointing of leading like Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain on Little Round Top. And I don't want you to, f- to be shaped by the narrative that's in the atmosphere. Had I not been on the inside track, I never would have said the things I said. But having gone... To New York, having been with Trump, having tested and tasted and seen the, the the man himself. Oh, by the way, you know, the guy said a sinner's prayer like three times. I guess you know, my concern is he doesn't know that you have you don't have to keep accepting Jesus every time you meet an evangelical. But he prays a sinner's prayer sincerely all the time. In fact, the first time he got prayed for, he was a little shook up. It was the room I was in. Because all the pastors wanted to go up, and Kenneth Copeland was there too, wanted to go up and, let's, and, and somebody said uh, to Paul White, and said, well, we should pray for him. And so when you ask Pentecostals to pray for you, ask an evangelical, they'll lob a safe prayer from a distance. Oh Lord, bless so-and-so, help so-and-so. But when you ask a Pentecostal, they have to have hands on you. Yeah. So all of a sudden, all these people are coming towards Trump like Frankenstein. <laughs> and Trump's going, and hey, he's a little germophobic anyway, he doesn't like touching people. And here come the Pentecostals, hands waving. They're all laying hands on him, spitting away and prophesying and praying. He's kind of like trying to take it, but he's being reverent because he knows, well, this may not be how he grew up, but this is them. They're laying hands on him, and they're praying. And then somebody actually took a picture of it and put it out, and Trump said, stop that. I don't want people to see this. This makes me look, it makes me look strange. I mean, I'm all for this, but this. anyway, he got so used of saying a sinner's prayer and having hands laid on him that the first national prayer breakfast is hilarious. Donald Trump goes to the first national prayer breakfast after he gets elected miraculously and Trump derangement syndrome hits everywhere and everybody's freaking out. And Cyrus is, you know, being talked about. Bill Maher, who the... Blanky blank is Cyrus. He's freaking out on HBO because somehow this Cyrus word got out, and it's connected to Trump getting elected by these goofy evangelicals. How can they vote for a guy that's a heathen like him? So it was all confusion on the left. The Cyrus narrative is what did it, but then they were tracing it back to me. So I'm starting to get hit all the time because I'm this delirious guy who called Trump Cyrus that I'm the original. I'm like ground zero in the virus of Cyrus. Anyway, so Trump, Trump is there at the National Prayer Breakfast. Now here's how you do it. I'm part of the National Prayer Breakfast, I've been there for years, I love it. Its origin was Billy Graham, he started it. So with Eisenhower. So uh, the way you do it is, the president comes in, sits down at the table, a senator, two, two congressmen or two senators get up there, one Democrat, one Republican, both with a scripted prayer. And they both pray, now for the president. And one would start. Almighty God, and they don't mention Jesus, they don't want to offend anybody there. Almighty God, we beseech you that by your mercy you will have your hands upon the administration of this president of the United States that you will guide him and that you will give him wisdom and that he will be able to guide him. It's kind of, like, kind of like a good Episcopal prayer. Well, these two senators come out, Republican, Democrat, ready to do their thing, and the word goes, we will now pray for the president. Trump looks around, he's looking for where the people are that lay hands on you. They're over there. So he gets up and leaves the table and goes over and walks towards them. Now, those of us that have trained him this way are exchanging knowing glances like, didn't anybody tell him he doesn't have to do that? Secret service all throughout the restaurant. This is the same hotel where Reagan got shot out front. They're all nervous about presidents being in this hotel. All of a sudden you see people popping up everywhere with their finger in their ear. What you doing? What you doing? What you doing? Because he's not supposed to move. They have everything exactly where he's supposed to be. Where's he going, where's he going, where's he going? People are popping up, going parallel, walking through the tables, around the tables. going? I'm watching this. Meanwhile, Trump's over there. He stands in the middle. And the two senators are going, they don't know what to do. What's he doing? He's like, you're talking about a chaos candidate. They don't know what he... So he goes, go ahead, go ahead. And gradually Trump is realizing, oh, these guys are amateurs. (laughs) Typical Washington senators, they don't know what to do. So he goes, go ahead, go ahead, pray. (laughs) And now we're in the audience going, like he's saying, he waits, he's waiting for them to lay hands on him. So in the audience, we're going, put your hand. <laughs> it's like, it's Marceau, Marceau, we're trying to pantomime, put your hand on him. And they're going, Secret Service is going, you know, <laughs> and they very carefully put their hands on his shoulders and Trump encouraged him, that's good, that's good, you're doing basically, you're doing good, you're doing good. Almighty God, we do beseech you that you would grant. And Trump stood there, closed his eyes, thanked them. And you can see he's saying to himself, they really don't know how to pray. Now he stopped after that because he got educated. You don't have to get up and have hands laid on you every time it's called for prayer. And you don't have to accept Jesus into your heart every time you're with a pastor either. I figured that out after the third evangelical told me, you know, I led Trump to the Lord. Like, oh, you too. Well, that's wonderful. Go tell your family and friends you led them to the Lord. I think get in line. So let me give you a revelation of how I worked my way through the consternation. We got a beautiful big whiteboard here. I'm out of time. I just kind of rambled on here like I do. But I'm going to give you something for the whiteboard. A big whiteboard should have a big revelation. And I want you to understand, I had a friend of mine explain this to me. And uh, it's a guy who was um, a Milton Friedman economist. He said, Lance, I said, listen, I'm new on the political thing. Like, I don't even know the difference between the parties or all this stuff. I'm a Seven Mountains Kingdom disciple of the nations, Great Commission. My thinking is, if everybody got saved, we wouldn't have a problem. So I just go preach the gospel in all these nations. I've gotten a little more sophisticated since then. I realized that Oh, not everybody wants the truth because they get funded or paid not to embrace that worldview, and so people have all kinds of incentives for not embracing the truth. I, that was a surprise to me. But I learned this. I learned that in an election cycle, I want you all to catch this one revelation that'll help you. That as a Christian, do you know what my job is? My job is to have a biblical worldview. I simply wanna know when the Bible says that you know, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, it doesn't say Christians. It says man, mankind. God wants to be living according to what he's revealed. So the word of God is for all people, not just for Christians. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'm gonna give this to you real fast. So we should know, what does the word teach about debt? What does the word teach about marriage? What does the word teach about children? What does the word teach about, uh, about uh, defense, self-defense, or national defense? Because the Bible has revelation in all these areas, and we never teach it because... In church, we stay away from all those subjects so that we do infinitely deep on getting born again, getting saved, the cross, favor of God, the blessing of God, blah, blah, blah. And we don't go into the other issues. We've, we've, we've done a deep dive on us, but not trained our people how to engage the world around them or how to even think about these things. So your, your revelation of the word forms your principles and the principles is important because you get the word principality out of that. If you have wrong principles in terms of their order, you create chaos. So America has exalted freedom out of perspective. We're so into freedom that we want freedom from God, restraint, and responsibility. But you can't, but if you have, whatever principle is preeminent, sets up the order underneath. And America's got principalities operating because we bought into the wrong principles. So you gotta know what your principles are. And what does the word say about this, this? The Bible addresses all of life. So principles will, uh, will form uh, your, uh, your, these are all gonna be P words. So it's going to be, what's the, what's the next P? Principles is gonna shape your policies. So if, you're, if your policy in your church is we're inclusive and we embrace everybody, but one of your policies is, no, we don't have a transgender running our youth program. So your policies are an extension of your beliefs. Does that make sense to you? And we don't have anybody in the nursery because we don't know who you are, but we have people all checked out before they work on the nursery. Why do we do that? To protect ourselves from the possibility that a pedophile might wanna get into the children's ministry. That's one of our policies. Policies are an extension of your principles. After you have your policies, when you have a number of them, economically, gender, relationship, life, uh, marriage, debt, international relationships, the right to bear arms, freedom of speech, you now have what's called a platform. Most people don't even care about this, but this is very important. Because the platform is gonna determine what's implemented when that person is in office. You're electing their policies that come together to create a platform. And then, so if you look at it like an iceberg, like this, watch how this works. All of media and low information voters, which you should not be, focus on a personality. They focus on the person. Oh, it's Hillary or Trump, or it's gonna be whoever is gonna be against Trump. And so what that means is the politician is the personality that represents a platform based upon policies that reflect the principles that you have as a believer. If you don't have churches teaching these things in application to America, it's no wonder you can get away like John Maxwell saying stay out of politics this year, just focus on evangelism, and what are you actually gonna do? Bring people into an encounter with Jesus and leave them all ignorant while the nation gets taken over by Marxists? And then you'll find out you can't say certain things in that pulpit. Because of your policy of disengagement, you didn't occupy your responsibility properly. God gave you a role as a father or a mother and you abdicated it. So you should be surprised when the pedophile gets into the nursery because you don't have a policy. And if they can't get into the nursery, they're gonna get into your fourth grade class. And if I get worked up, it's because John Maxwell, of all people, is teaching pastors, stay out of politics. Let me tell you something, you don't have to get involved with politics. Get involved with what the Word of God says for principles, apply it to policies for your community that reflect what you think godly, uh, rational living should look like, common sense. And then make sure that when you go vote, and you should vote because that's your one statement of faith you can make. Even if your vote is outnumbered, at least in heaven it's registered, you took responsibility, you took authority, you, you guarded yourself. And then be aware that the media and the arts and entertainment world, media, which is now I know led by the, uh, the CIA and the, and the intelligence service, they are gonna pound and manipulate the news cycle to bludgeon you into alignment with what they want you to believe. But if you've got your principles clear, you understand what the policies are you want for your children, your family, your taxes, your your right to bear arms, your freedom of speech, make sure you've got a platform you're voting for because if that personality gets assassinated or bumped off, that platform continues. Because you're gonna staff their administration with platform people that reflect those policies that they got elected on. Does that make sense to you? So therefore, it's gonna be, well, Trump, 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 Trump. Trump. And this is the problem. It's not about who the person is above the water level. That's all people focus on. It's they represent something. And from my testimony's perspective, what we're dealing with is a chaos candidate because America is, is in such a messed up state that God has to use a blunt force object to deal with the enemies America has. And everybody else, I assume is so compromised in the system. Even the good people, they owe something to somebody. Never forget one time Trump was saying this, and he said, no one gets it. He said, I'm self-funding my own campaign. He said, none of you understand what I'm talking about. What he meant was, he's got enemies everywhere because nobody has a deal with him. Because his only deal is with the American people. And the people in America that he thinks need to be at the table is Christians. Which is why I think it's particularly lunar to be adversarial. Unless, of course, I understand the devil will do everything he can to interrupt this this moment in America because the trajectory we're on is going down. We're praying for a divine intervention, not a continuation. Now, if you grew up, I realize we have a whole lot of people here. If you grew up, with a completely different narrative. Everything I'm saying is triggering. But I would suggest to you, we all have warfare with the environment and the belief systems we grew up with. You have to think for a moment that maybe what I'm saying is true. And you realize you're warring against the principalities that shaped your community and your worldview. That's what you're up against. You're up against a spirit that doesn't like what I'm saying but it's totally defensible. Does that make sense? So the Spirit of the Lord is saying today, he wants you to be conversant on why you believe what you believe. We aren't out to be obnoxious. We aren't out to even be political. But I am out to defend the truth. And because I'm out to defend the truth, I'm just like you, a novice wading into subject matter I've never had to wrestle with before, and I'm asking God to give me revelation as to what the word of the Lord says on this subject. We're gonna be doing a tour this year in seven states. 19 counties are gonna determine the future of America. Maria Morello and me are gonna go. I'm calling it the courage tour because the one thing believers need this year is to be strong and courageous because every every motive in the world will come to make us silent, intimidate us, embarrass us. The whole attack on Christian nationalism, it's making me the poster child for the Christian nationalist perspective and what they're calling dominionism and all this stuff. It's all because the devil knows that it is a church mobilized to protect America that can keep him from doing what he wants to do to destroy America. And so for that reason, I encourage you, to, uh, to participate this year in the redemption and the revival and the reformation that is coming to America because the church is actually beginning to wake up and get itself organized. And you know the Bible says that, uh, that we're not to be contentious, we're not to be strifeful. So you've got to do this thing, you have to stay full of the Holy Spirit. You have to love even the people that hate you. God is asking a lot of the church. The left doesn't have to do it, and even fanatical people on the right don't have to do it. But if you're a kingdom ambassador, you can only do this if you're filled with the Spirit of God. Filled with the grace of God. I'll give you my final verse here, it's from Haggai. Haggai, two chapters. It's the cornerstone of what I wrote here, where God says, I'm gonna shake everything that can be shaken. I'm gonna overthrow thrones and kingdoms. And my my final thought for you is I want you to know something. Jesus here is actually coming back to planet Earth. That's one of the great revelations of the Bible, that Jesus is returning. And uh, as he's returning, there's a realm here, put a pitchfork there, which is called spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Those heavenly places' wickedness have their fangs and their roots into seven spheres of influence in every country, Media and religion, Islamic fanaticism or jihadism or Buddhism or Hinduism or agnosticism is a religion. It's a belief system. They have their hooks into governments. They have their hooks into economies. I want you to be unshakable in the shaking that's coming to the earth because here's what the Bible says. God says, I'm going to be the one shaking it. Haggai says, I'm gonna shake, I'm gonna overthrow. I will destroy the strength of Gentile kingdoms. But in that day, guys says, I'm gonna take you and make you my signet ring. The signet ring is like a credit card. It goes on your finger. It's the authorization of a very wealthy royal dynasty. Only a few people had it. You would put that ring into wax and it would seal any document for a transaction or authorize any case in court. Boom, the signet ring anointing is the authority God gives you to make an impression on the culture around you that it cannot shake. That's what Haggai prophesies. In the time of shaking, God is gonna make you a signet ring. And when that happens, hell is going to be pushed down. The shaking is happening here. It's not happening in heaven, and the Bible says you're receiving an unshakable kingdom. It shouldn't be happening to you. Satan is coming down, that's why it's getting darker. But if you look behind the darkness, you'll see the glory of God and the anointing of God rising in his people. And the latter glory of this house will be greater than the uh, former glory, meaning no matter how dark it gets outside, it gets brighter in here. And that's why it's important to wade into Hitler, Trump, and any other thing that tries to exalt itself over the anointing. Any word that triggers you, MyPillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use the promo code to save 50% on your MyPillow 2.0. Not only that, for a limited time, your entire order ships absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. MyPillow.com Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code Lance to save big on all of Mike's best products. That's promo code Lance. Did you enjoy this latest episode? Please remember to share it with your friends because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world.